Alright guys, hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Schmoozing with Alvi, episode 6. But today, I'm going to be schmoozing with none other than Alvi. Because unfortunately, it is two hours until Monday. And I said I'd release an episode every Monday. But unfortunately, uh, all three guests that I had planned for this week couldn't come. So, yeah, you're stuck with me this week. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying... This is going to be an incredibly boring episode. I don't know why you're still listening to this. Uh, there are literally 10 times better episodes, such as last week's episode, which was literally, we had Shannon Newsom, who was a Christian missionary who converted to Judaism and is now uncovering other Christian missionaries. Just incredible stuff. So, like, if you're going to listen to this, put that on your next playlist. And if you're going to stop listening to this, which I recommend because it's going to be incredibly boring, um, I would say turn on that episode now. Um, you can obviously find it on all the usual things um but yeah if we are going to do this um which i apologize in advance because yeah i doubt i doubt we're getting much over 20 minutes um but i'm gonna hopefully give over a couple key concepts of that i i try to live by and follow by and they're kind of my ideological viewpoints um and also sort of how i got to where i am today uh because I'm currently sitting here in a suit jacket, in a nice white Charles Taylor shirt, um, drinking my ni- nice Robinson's uh, hot cup of coffee, tea thing. Uh, but yeah, it's a bit, for those who don't really know me, uh, this obviously seems very normal because this is all you've seen me as. Uh, for those who knew me prior to Yeshiva, this is still slightly weird. Um, so I'm not going to act as if this is the craziest story ever because it really isn't isn't anything that crazy but through through this good old story um i'm hopefully going to give over i guess some basic ideas that will hopefully help you with whatever stage you are in life um with whatever stage you are in judaism or religion um wherever you are um and yeah okay so let's take a little bit Take a little bit back. Um, this is just by the way, I want you to know this is probably the 14th time I'm recording this episode uh, just because, yeah, I, it's weird. I try to do it that all of my episodes is never really me talking. Um, like, I'm not a confident person in front of the camera just because, like, I'm literally staring into the camera right now and I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this seems a bit ridiculous. Like, I feel like I can hold a conversation and help other people give over their stories. So that's the kind of thing that I like doing. Um, and I, I also I sort of follow the thing that no one is here to hear me speak, which is once again, I don't know how many minutes we are into this, but if you're still listening, I don't know why, but thank you, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of follow the part that no one really wants to hear me this speaking, so I try to give over to everyone else and allow them to give over their story, because that's the whole point of having a platform, allowing others to be heard. Um, but yeah, that's the little background of why I was feeling. I don't, know, I don't know where it. You've got to understand. I'm gonna waffle this whole episode, and it's just gonna be uh, like just. I don't even have. I don't even have a good um, metaphor for how terrible this is gonna be. I'm so like un unable to uh, comprehend that. I, this is going to be terrible. I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. 
Uh, well, we're, we're just going to get into it and hopefully my words will actually come out and I will be able to articulate myself. There we go. We have a word. Um, and yeah, so I'll explain from now. Um, I am, as my madrich in yeshiva, calls a harry. What is a harry? A harry is basically someone who grew up modern orthodox um, and then kind of flips out in yeshiva. Um, and after that, they try to basically be yeshivish or from, um, but like basically you hear them in Dublin, you see all the way they're acting, they basically have no clue what they're doing. They're basically just an armor oris in black and white. So that's how I like to uh, classify myself. Uh, I'm an armor oris and a black and white. Uh, but we're trying, we're growing. So to get here, I've got to explain back growing up, I would say we grew up, my mum was like my whole life, I've known great people. I've known. Firstly, my mom, just an incredible, incredible woman, inspirational woman, um, and she worked for probably one of the greatest people I will ever claim to know, uh, Lord Rabbi, or Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Um, it pains me to say, as a kid growing up, I I never really grasped that concept of what a god or and what a great, incredible man he was. So looking back now, especially when I was doing that episode, I had these fond memories of him, but I never really used him. Like, obviously, you can't say use in the, in the context of Rabbi Sachs, but I never had the ability to just have an intellectual conversation with him. Like, now I hope that I have some more understanding of the world to an extent. Um, and there's so many questions that, in my head, only he could answer. Like, just looking through all of his old videos you can find everything online i think they're actually releasing like the new website there's not a promotion but i mean check it out um where you can see all of his old stuff and all the transcripts and you just you realize what an incredible intellectual man he was and how much he had to give over and i just never utilized it because i just i wasn't interested at the time i i grew up so my mum and rabbi Sachs, those were like key figures in our life and my father who's a sofa these are all in the religious bubble but I myself you know I followed along I followed in high school um, I was always in the lowest sets for all of the uh, or the lowest classes for all of the Jewish studies I wasn't interested it was that was just how it was um, I wasn't off the derech um, I wasn't necessarily on the derech I like I kept Shabbos I kept kosher why I don't know just uh, that is what we did um, I, there's definitely a few key things um, in my life that stick out to me. Um, for example, I, I, I want to thank whoever it was that instilled this in my head. I, I try to rack my brains every so often of who it was, but someone instilled me gums Latova. Like, it's always, everything's for the best. Um, and throughout high school, throughout, like, the end of school, even, like, in the times that I wasn't so, like, from, it just, I was, every time something bad happened, there was always in the back of my head, gums Latova. Like, everything's for the best, I don't know, and, like, sometimes I'd preach it to people, like, like, whatever, it's, it's for the best, I, I, I don't really know, um, and so that, like, stuck with me now, that's such a, like, huge part of who I am now, that I'm slightly understanding that literally everything has its purpose, everything has its reason, everything is for the best, and, like, hopefully I'll be able to give you a few good stories for that, but that was one of the key things. A second key thing is Rabbi Diamond, um, he was it's funny, my family's going to listen to this and they'll be like, this is the weirdest story ever, but 
we we had this my dad basically had this rabbi come in um who was like like we really we weren't we weren't very learned kids me and my brother um my brother happens to be a lot more learned than i am and a lot more of a than i am um but we just we weren't we weren't so interested we had this rabbi coming in and I remember one thing, he was like this Hasidic rabbi, I would like hide up in my room, me and my brother would take turns hiding, it was like, it was ridiculous, my dad would like scream for us to come down, I'd pretend like I couldn't hear him, it was like a whole, it was a whole shtick. Um, but one of the things, and unfortunately he passed away very recently, um, and like I wish, looking back now, I could thank him, but one of the things that he instilled in me was just like, you never ever miss tefillin. Like it's the biggest thing in the world. You always put on tefillin. Like you can't miss a day. Like it's one of the biggest things to not put on tefillin. And I don't know why that like that was the one thing that like really really was hammered into me. And I think unfortunately there were a couple of days where I did did miss putting on tefillin. Um, but like it was always in the back of my head. Like even it, like I would what I do is just quickly wrap it around. I think quickly say the first brach of Shema. Um, take them off, maybe I'd do that media, like, whatever it was, I'd, like, I'd run to school, and that was, like, that was it, like, it was just, I just knew I had to put on tefillin, and, like, it was just one of the things, and I, I look later on in life, when I was in yeshiva, and even now, like, there's a lot of people who just, that's still one of the things that they've got to work on, and they're still growing in, and, like, it was just, it was never, it was never even a question not to put them on, because it was still instilled in me, so, that, that in itself was just a, a massive rocker, and for that, like, I'm sure Rabbi Diamond is getting all this chus for, Every time I put on tefillin, because he was the one who like happened into me. So already, even though I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily from to. I, that's a lie. I am definitely I was from, and I I like to classify myself as a bold shiver, but I'm not a bold shiver in the actual sense of the word. Like I was always, I guess, keeping things, um, and I always knew it was wrong not to keep things. But I never knew really why. I never really had like a reason why. I just, I guess, maybe not to disappoint my parents, uh, like. Here we go. I just I worked that thing out now. Probably just not to disappoint my parents. Um, so, yeah. So, put on the fill-in, did all that. But, like, wasn't really interested. So, I was in the lowest sets for all of the Jewish studies school, um, classes. Um, and then, finally, in, I think... This is funny. This is a funny story. Me and my cousin often laugh about this. But, finally, I think in year 10, I believe it was, which is, I guess, grade 9 for the Americans, um... I was in, at this point in time, I was in an all-boys school. I was like, why the heck am I in an all-boys school? Like, I obviously want to be, like, how lucky are these guys in the mixed school, JFS, that they get to, like, hang out with the girls the whole time. Like, it's just the best thing ever. Uh, like, why would we stay in this school? Like, and from that moment on, we were set on the thing. We hated, we hated the school we went in. Like, that was the thing. And, like, we, there were issues with friendships and this and that, all that, whatever. But the, if you get down to the root of it, there were girls. Fair enough, we were, we were boys, they were girls, and we wanted to go to this high school. So, wherever it was, I was going to move at that year, then I didn't move, and then finally in year 11, or the end of year 11, um, I was able to move. So I moved to this school. Um, most of the people there, I would say, aren't really religious. Um, to them, though, I was te- technically still the religious kid. Um, and I think, I think that in itself is a huge part that I never even connected that even though I myself wasn't, like, religious, so to say, I was still, like, the religious kid um, because I wore my kippah. I never, I never like, really thought to take off my kippah just because it felt uncomfortable. I just, like, I knew I was a Jew. Like, I just, I never really took off. I remember there was, like, 
one or two times where I thought about it. Um, but then um, I think this is where it really like hit down and, and to take it into context in a little bit. But I remember we went on the Poland trip, the Poland trip to Auschwitz, to Birkenau, to Majdanek. The, they change you. <laughs> you go there, you see Jews were exterminated for simply being Jews. Hitler killed, Hitler turned a religion into a race. Like, it was just, the concept of it, it was just, cra- you can't really understand. Like, we, we, we were doing psychology of the Holocaust just now, um, and understanding how he convinced these doctors who take the Hippocratic Oath to commit the biggest atrocities in the world. Like, you, the Hippocratic Oath literally states in it that you'll do your utmost best to take care of people, to heal people, to help them, to keep, allow them to live. And these doctors were like um, Eichmann, and, and maybe I've got the wrong doctor in my, in my head right now, but all of these doctors, they were like committing these atrocities, like the twins, um, they were like skinning people alive, boiling, like, I'm not going to describe it, it's just, you, you, you go to Auschwitz, and you see all of that, and you're like, they were, they were killed because they were Jew? Like, how does, that, how does that make sense? Even the people who weren't like, even religious to the side, they didn't even believe in a God. Like, if you look back at Poland, 1930, it was thriving. Like, the Jews were there were thriving, not as Jews. They were secular people. They were just business people. And they happened to be Jewish. But they had no real belief in a God or anything like that. They were just, they were Jewish. And they were exterminated for that, not because of their beliefs, but because of inherently what Hitler believed to be a disease in their blood. That was, that was what he killed them for. And I think that really resonated with me. I remember, <laughs> I remember being at a mass children's grave. Um, and we told to message our parents. Um, I, I actually, I, I looked back at like the messages that I sent them. And I, now I cringe at them. But at the time I was like sobbing over these messages. Because you're just, you're seeing all these families who, all these kids, or you know all these kids who didn't get a chance to ever speak to their parents again. They didn't get a chance to do anything with themselves. And it just, it, <laughs> it was painful. You know, you don't, you don't really understand you can't really fathom it because you say you say six million jews you say a hundred thousand jews you say uh, ten thousand kids that these are all big numbers but when you're standing at their crave and you you you're being told that a great-grandparent escaped this and because of him his great-grandson is now there on our trip with us like you see that in context you see that that's an actual living person who went through these things and like what a life they could have had how many more people we could have been that's going to impact you um and so it didn't necessarily, it wasn't that point that I was like, I'm religious, I, I keep everything. But I think that was the that was the time that I got the Jewish identity. Um, I think after that, like, I would go clubbing. Uh, it's, it was a part of my life, but I went clubbing. But I would always go clubbing with my kippah on. Like, I had no reason to take off because I was like, this is who I am. Like, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, I'm actually proud of it. Like, I'm a Jew. This is what I do. I would, I'd be wherever situation I was. I was always wearing a couple, and people would laugh about it. Like there was there was another from Jew, um, who also always wore his kippah in in the same school as us, and I'd always get compared to him. They like they'd always point me out and be like, "Huh, that's the kid." And I was like, "No, I just happen to be another Jew that's wearing a uh, kippah." Like I'd be at a Halloween thing, and I'd be wearing my kippah. Like you think about it now, it sounds crazy. Like you were at this place but you still were a kippah, like these two polar opposite things. Um, but it was just, to me, that was that was my, it wasn't like even a rebellion. I was just like, this is what I do. I, I, I'm happy with who I am there. Um, so yeah, so that was that was sort of my upbringing up until yeshiva. I remember 
I don't really want to go to yeshiva. My plan was sort of to go to the army. I was very set on that. I was going to the army. I, I didn't really know why, but I knew I wanted to live in Israel. I knew, like, that was the place for me. Um, it's funny, I say that with an English fan beha- flag behind me in snowy America, snowy New York right now. Um, but yeah, I was, I was dead set that I'm moving to Israel um, and I'm going to go to the army. Uh, I remember my dad said to me, he was like, okay, you can do the army. You're obviously not going to do it, but you can do the army if you really want, only if you go to yeshiva. So like, okay, fine, whatever. So I went to look at all these yeshivas. Um, and on the last day of my yeshiva trip, when I was checking them out in Israel, um, it was literally, we were flying home in like five or six hours. And my cousin texted me like a picture of this beautiful campus. It's like, you got to check out Rishit. It's like stunning. Like he took a picture with like two palm trees behind him. There was a pond there. It was like sun shining. This is middle of February. I'm like, whoa, this place looks epic. Um, so I was like, fine, I'll go check it out. Um, I went to I went to check it out, fell in love with campus. Like being deadly honest, like I fully went there because it was a nice campus. It was a it was a cool place. Uh, the rabbis there seemed very sweet, um, and so I was like, fine, I'm gonna go there. So I was in I was in JFS, um, and I was like, I came back and I decided I was going to going to a yeshiva. So that in itself was already. I was taking myself a step away from all of my friends and my friends at the time, to put it into context, like most of my friends um, were definitely not religious. Pretty much none of them kept kosher. None of them kept um, Shabbos. Um, So it was definitely like a weird thing when I would explain to people, especially my friends who like were more leaning to reform and conservative. When I explained to them that I'm going to a place where you sit and learn Torah all day, um, that was a weird concept. And like, I was trying to explain to them, like, no, no, I'm not, like, a religious fanatic. Like, that's not actually what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there to have fun and do this and, and party. Like, that's that's what I was, like, trying to convince them. That's, that's I'm not going there because I, I want to sit down at Torah. That's, that's definitely not what I want to be doing. Um, so, already going in, I was very, like, against the stigma of it. Um, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't so looking forward. I remember, like, the night before I went, I was like, this is the worst decision I'm ever going to make. What am I doing? I wasn't like so close to the people there at the time, and and it just it was it was gonna be like an interesting it was gonna be an interesting um, an interesting time, uh, but I ended up going there. Um, I get there. I, I think I was there Israel beforehand. We had a couple weddings. It was very nice. So I was eased into it. Um, I get there, and I meet my roommates. One of my roommates is now one of my best friends. Uh, three years later, so crazy Ashkoch there as well. All the things that we did and came back he was one of the people that came back with me and we had this and that whatever it was it was just there's there's a lot of crazy hashkoch in between it but um it was there was a lot of like interesting things that went on um, and i had i had a good time in 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 Shanalif in my first year of yeshiva um i'll be honest reach it at the, be- at the beginning as well is a lot of people are coming in not so from so you go out to ben yehuda like every thursday night um, you're not really doing such appropriate things, not so kosher things. Um, and as the years it goes on, you start getting influenced more and more. And so there were people coming in straight away, opened up a Gemara, learning through it, understanding everything that's going on. Um, but I was definitely, I was definitely not that that kind of guy. Um, I actually, I I remember distinctly the first time I learned um, a like a Omid of Gemara, like a page of Gemara, um, was Sukkot Cholamod. Of my Shana Bet. During Shana Aleph, I would I was like, 
I'd read, I'd read in, in like Austria and stuff like that. And like during Corona as well, like I was also very like going along with um, one of my friends who was my chavrosa at the time. Um, and we like, we'd be learning sort of, but like it wasn't really learning. We just like, I was reading from the page and like from the article and this and that, uh, but it wasn't like learning, like definitely, definitely not learning. And like, I definitely, I couldn't, I could only read from what I'd written down and stuff like that. Um, so like I didn't understand anything that was going on and we just we go through it like most like it was a storybook and realistically it's not so much has changed since then but like there's lots of shame it'll, it'll, as time goes on no so I yeah so I I wasn't really learning but like I was during that year I was slowly getting to like I kind of came in knowing that I was a Jew I, I had this idea in my head I'm a Jew but like once you're in a, in a Jewish environment where there's only Jews around and all they're pushing is learning Torah and getting close to God and believing in there's a God and bringing ultimate proofs that there is God, it's kind of scary because you lived your whole life as, like, especially me, like, I lived my life as there's a God in the world. Like, or like God exists. And, like, I was pretty certain I knew that God existed. But, like, God existed. I'm in this world. They weren't correlated at all. They just... They existed. That was that was just what it was. And now you're coming to tell me, coming to tell me that my life is because of God. Like I'm, they're they're directly correlated. They're completely interlinked. Like that's what you're telling. You're crazy. <laughs> like that's I, like I couldn't I couldn't really fathom that. Like how does that actually fit in? Because if that's true, then I have to actually keep everything and like I have to really connect to him and connect to his Torah and like do all the, like you're crazy. Like it, it, like I couldn't really understand it. And like I think. I was very, like, hesitant to, like, really be full-on in it. Um, also, like, I was having fun, like, it's for the first time ever, like, I also, I came in, like, a very shy kid, and for the first time ever, like, I'm also, like, um, hang, like, have, a, like, a good chaver, like, good group of friends, and, like, I'm feeling much more confident in myself, like, uh, like, I don't, I don't really want to be taking on all of these, like, crazy concepts, and, like, learning Torah, like, it just seems crazy. Um, so, I go, wherever it was, Corona hit, Corona hit, um, and up until that point, I was like, I was slowly but surely getting a bit, bit closer, a bit closer. Um, and I was, I was, I was starting to take on the idea that, like, I think I want to be like a from Jew. Like, it's, I don't know necessarily how I'm going to do it. Like, I had no belief and self confidence in my learning ability or my, like, how I was actually going to do anything like that because I, I couldn't pick up a Gemara or do anything. Um, but like, I was just like, I want my life to be different. I want to be having a from a environment. Um, so, yeah, Corona hit. Corona hit March 2020 while we were in Yeshiva. Um, I had strep at the time, um, so they quarantined me. I was, like, one of the last people to go home because they thought I had corona. Turns out I had strep. Um, strep for the Brits is some, like, tonsillitis kind of thing, which isn't really tonsillitis, but you're basically very, very sick with all the same symptoms as corona, except, like, you have your taste and smell. Um, but it was right at the beginning of corona. They put me in a quarantine thing. Baruch Hashem, I got out end up like I was planning to like stay in yeshiva throughout like the two three weeks that we were going to be sent home because obviously corona was only like a two or three week thing and and then everyone would be able to come back to Israel and yeah was your uncle we're back in and it's normal two years later no no <laughs> no one really uh no one really saw this one coming but at the time yeah I was, I was very certain um but things fell through end up going home um but yeah one piece of the that I missed out was growing up 
um, if anyone's like, I, I was definitely very vocal about it at the time, um, but it's definitely not so, so much of a sneer thing. So I try not to delve into it, but I used to be like extremely overweight. Uh, I think at my peak, I was like 200 pounds at 5'1". Um, so for those of you who understand BMI, it was like over the rule. I was like, <laughs> I was overweight. It was, it was very, very unhealthy. Um, so Baruch Hashem during high school um, and my last um, two years of high school, um, I was losing weight through the last like few, through like the first few months of yeshiva as well, I was losing weight. And then like I started putting on back weight, whatever. So by the time I came home from Corona, um, I wasn't as heavy as I was even to the slightest or like at my peak. But I think I was like um, 160 pounds or something at, at the peak of um, Corona, which is like, I don't know, 75 kilos or something. Um, and at my peak, I was 98 kilos, some, something along those lines, was 97 kilos. If someone can do the conversions, I'm sure I did it wrong, but those are like the basics of it. Um, and so, yeah, I came home um, and I sort of knew that like, this is this is going to be like a bit of a long thing. So like, I, I don't know why, but like, I bought myself a pull-up bar. I bought myself a couple of bands and all of this and that. Um, and I just... During Corona, Baruch Hashem, I learned the science of like um, healthy eating and nutrition and working out and all these different things, which has allowed me to get a personal training degree and all that and and all these extra things that have helped me. And like when I'm looking back at my life at this point in time, like I, I Baruch Hashem, in a healthy way, and like I think had certain things not happened, and like I can pin, I'm not going to explain all night, but I can pinpoint seven key moments that like each if those seven points hadn't happened at the way they happened at the time they happened, like, I genuinely don't believe I would be here today. I genuinely, like, this is a scary thing to say, but I, at the time, you're, when, you're, when you're that heavy, you're not in a healthy mindset. So the, if you also, if you're overweight and you don't know how to get out of it, you feel trapped. There's no, literally no way. So at the time, I, whatever, you're, if you're not in a healthy mindset, you, you have unhealthy thoughts of what to do and how to get out of that situation and how to end things. So that was, so like, I'm, I'm looking back now at this point in time and saying, it's crazy how each of those every single moment, the Ashkocha protest that happened, that led me to that point. Had I not moved to the school and become less religious and all of these different things, none of it would have happened the way it happened and none of it would have led me to the way it did. None of it would have led me to that point in Corona where I was like, so like, unhappy that I like, I tried to learn more about it and try, like I was like, this is crazy to say it, but I, we went to Morocco um, in in high school to because we're Moroccan. I'm seeing the Papa Sali there. Um, now I'm, on to, I'm explaining all the things. Um, but we went to Morocco and I did like a seven day water fast then. Like I was, you, you become desperate. So all of these things like that I was doing then, they were just unhealthy things. And so Corona allowed me to go and understand things and understand how to learn how to eat properly and eat well and how to understand carries and macros all of these things um and so it's just it's crazy right now that when i look back on things at the time they seem the worst things in the world they literally like being that overweight being that unhealthy starving yourself that's so unhealthy and and they seem like the worst things in the world but now they're the biggest bracha that has ever happened to me because i understand things all of these things that led me to these bad points in my life they they made me who i am today and i understand who i am today because of them um, so that's, by the way, one of the key points that I'm trying to focus on, and hopefully we can delve more into it, and 
I, my assumption I can't see the time right now but I assume this is longer than 20 minutes and I'm so so sorry for those of you who are still listening um, but I'm going to try I'm going to try keep it that we that we really do focus on the most important thing here that you've got to be able to see in your life that Hashem has everything planned for you Hashem you all understand Hashem is the world we're, we're simply part of His world our purpose in life our, literally our whole purpose in our life is to be part of Hashem's world. Hashem put us here for a reason to serve Him and to learn Torah. And if you want to argue ideologies, we can do that another time. But if you, the simple level is we're here to serve Hashem. But Hashem is every part of this world. Hashem is literally everywhere around me. Hashem is here. Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere. That's how the song goes, right? So if you if you're understanding at that point that every action that you do. Hashem has a reason for it. Every single po- point in your life, Hashem made it so that you would be in that situation. That whatever it was, whether it was good or bad, that was for your best, or that had this, a significant purpose. When a loss happens, it's it's one of the hardest things to fathom. I, fathom and Baruch Hashem, I like Baruch Hashem. I, I I'm so thankful and so lucky that Hashem has allowed it that I haven't experienced loss like a real significant loss. Um, and so, like, I'm, I'm truly thankful for that. Um, but when that sort of thing happens, it's impossible to comprehend how Hashem, who is all good, can do what seems to be the ultimate bad and take someone away from your life. It just, it's impossible to fathom that. But when you, when you take that step back and you say, yes, this is hard, and just, I'm, I'm going to bring in a story in a second, but when you say, yes, this is hard, but this... This was meant to be, and there's a reason for why this had happened. And I'm personally at the stage now where I can comprehend that, but I'm sure at the point in time I will be able to comprehend it, and I'll be able to see what a massive bracha Hashem had planned for me. And I was at, unfortunately, I was at my um, friend's father's um, funeral, um, his levaya, and that was that probably the most impactful thing that I've ever I've ever heard. Um, he he stood he stood in front of his father's um, box. I, the words lost on me right now, but his father the box with his father was behind him in the car, and he said, "Today, today is of course a day to be sad, but today is not a day to be angry because Hashem Hashem has a plan for us. Hashem has a reason for everything He's doing, um, and my father wouldn't want us to be angry." Um, but he he want us to appreciate all the good that we had. Every single every single thing, every single actual action has a reason, and it's not for us to be able to be angry or be annoyed or whatever it is to because we're simply not at the place in time to understand what's going on, and that that's just like it's such important idea to grasp when like to be able to see the bigger picture because. Often, what happens when you're depressed, when you're when you're in that mindset, you all you can see is this thing right here. You can't see point seven six or whatever. You can't see Z and A. You can only see that you're in F currently, and you can't see how far you've come and how how far you have to go and what use more you have. All you see is that I'm here, and this sucks right now, and I don't know how to get out of it. And you just you're very focused on that, and that's often why people unfortunately commit suicide from my understanding is that you feel trapped you there's no way out because you're not able to take yourself out of the picture out of the equation 
and see that there's, there's so much more going on that Hashem has planned for us. Um, and I think it's probably like uh, I'm I'm going to try to be open with this, but like like I've seen I currently see a therapist. I do this. I have an understanding of all these different things only because I've experienced them. Because like at the time I understand like your heart like it's painful. You nothing nothing makes sense to you, but like the one thing that gets me out of it often is like I say I say to myself like okay for for a second for a second act as if you're another person because like I, I unfortunately I like to talk I like to like speak to people especially when they're going through things like it just it's one of the things I like to do um, and so like I often give people certain advice and it's interesting when you give your when you give other people advice it's very easy you just tell them do this do that it's so easy just get out of this mindset whatever do it but like when you're trying to give yourself that same advice, you're like, ah, I can't do this, it's impossible. And when someone's giving you advice, you're like, no, no, it doesn't make sense, I can't do it. But you sometimes got to take yourself out of your own body. You've got to have like that out-of-body experience. Say to yourself, sit down there and say, like, give yourself the advice that you're going through right now and actually put it into play of what you would do. And so that, that, that's often what I try to do. And like, I try to say to myself, like, look at the bigger picture right now, like, Yes, this is bad. <laughs> like this, this can be like a very sucky situation. But there's so much more to it that I cannot see, and that Hashem has planned for me. Like, so, like sometimes when something bad is going on, I just like thank you, Hashem, because whatever it is, I, I'm sure this is the best thing possible. And like this is, you had this in plan for me, so all I can say is thank you because like you chose for this to happen for me. Um, and I, I'm not at the have the capacity to comprehend what it is you want to do for me, but I'm I'm thankful for it. Um, so that was that was definitely like one thing that I sort of picked up over my time starting I think Shana Alf um, and definitely Shana Bet Shana Bet was Shana Bet was an interesting year because we were obviously all locked down because of Corona we were inside and like I'm watching these Shana Alfs stag away they're literally they're pounding they're growing so much because they can't go out and party they, all they could do was just like sit down and learn and get to know each other and get to know themselves like it's just it's, it was the biggest broker ever I think there were some people who really they unfortunately couldn't handle being trapped in but I think the majority of people just did incredible they really did incredible um, so yeah so they didn't they were doing incredible and I I myself I couldn't learn at that point I really like it, it like it really hurt me uh, like I didn't really know what to do um, and so Baruch Hashem whatever it was it was Cholomor so because I think I learned my first Omer you get that sense of confidence and just by the way that's like a a huge thing that a lot of what we can't do isn't because we can't do it it's because we tell ourselves we can't do it like I remember I was listening to a shiva of Shlomo Fahi and he was saying like there was once a story where this kid he went to um, he, he was like a very unclever kid um, and I think he was taking his SATs which is like the American uh, GCSE or wherever it is um, and he was like a very like not clever kid but for some reason he went in and he came out and he got like one of the highest scores there and he couldn't believe it his mom was like you cheated and like why don't lie to me you cheated and he was like no I didn't and so in his mind he was like whoa I'm actually clever and so from that he like he took a massive turnaround because he was like wait so if I'm clever maybe I should stop in this journey that I'm going around and I actually have potential he ended up going to college he ended up creating his own business he became like a multi-millionaire and then I think like in 2020 or like wherever it was they like 20 years later and he gets a call up and says, 
by the way, unfortunately, we're just going back on our, uh, we're looking back on our records, and turns out we sent you, you were one of the 70 mistakes or whatever that we sent you the wrong, um, the wrong results of your raise. We're so sorry for all the inconveniences we caused you. And like, that just goes to show, everything's literally in our mind. Like, there's nothing, there's, we're the only people holding ourselves back. Like, that's once again what I was saying. Like, when you're in that depressed stage, you can't grasp that, that you are more than the person that you are in that certain situation. When something bad's happening, all I am in that situation, all I am now is that person in that situation. I'm that bad person. I'm the person who's done something wrong. I'm the person who embarrassed myself. Like, that's all you, that's all you are. You're stuck in that one-check man. But when you, when you step back and you look at your accomplishments, you see how far you've come and all the opportunities you have to go, you're like, whoa, it's kind of crazy, actually. Like, there's, there's more to life than just this singular moment. Um, so, yeah, once I, once I got that confidence of that, I, I was able to learn that Amad al-Gamara, that Pedro al-Gamara, and I was like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. I can do this. Like, I actually have potential for my life. Like, this is, this is a big thing. Um, and so, I, like, over time, I started learning a bit more. Over those next few weeks, I started, like, actually listening in Shir. I remember the first day, like, I really chucked something. I really understood something that was going in Shir. I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. I think we were talking, like, the... Uh, I think it was like Dafhe of Kosovos. Um I think it was um like Birbachilba Shavos, something something along that um that concept there. And and so it happened to be just as things were like going great, uh my cousin Yoni, uh, big shout out, he he uh he got married. So obviously we were gonna go home for his wedding. Um I was very, very excited for it. Um and Baruch Hashem, Corona came around. Corona came around and I was like, Nope, this is not happening. Um, so I think they had their date for the wedding. It was like set like 17th of December or something. And it turns out that 17th of December, the UK was shutting down and everything was closing. No weddings could take place. So they ended up bringing everything a day forward. Um, and it was just a whole crazy thing. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wedding. Um, just truly incredible. Um, and so I, then I think like it was Shabbos. And then Sunday morning, I had my flight. So Sunday morning, I wake up, my flight's at like, I think, um, 11 p.m. or something, or like 11 a.m. So I wake up at like 6 a.m. I literally, it happened at 6 a.m. My alarm went off. Um, I opened my phone, 6.01, notification, Israel has shut its borders. I'm like, what? Israel has closed its borders, all flights are being canceled. I then check my mail, 6.03, message from like, hello or whatever, your flight has been canceled. I'm like, what? And like, I'm, I'm frantically checking everything. Turns out there were people who were like in the air at the time and they got sent home and this and that. And so many, so much chaos was caused at that time. So it was like, it was, it was firstly a massive rocker that at that point in time, I was still in my bed, very comfortable. Um, and like, I called up everyone, found that everything was shut. So um, it was, it was done. Um, I think I actually, so I was home with um, my cousins, um, well, my other cousin who was also in Rachel with me, and we went to the airport and they obviously said to us, go away, <laughs> like, this, you obviously can't get in. Um, so I was distraught. I was like, I was like, Hashem, I don't, I don't understand what you want from me because like, I'm, I'm here now. Like, I'm actually, like, I feel like I can get close to you and I understand like some sort of who you want me to be. And now you're just keeping me here in London. Like, I don't understand. You don't, you don't want me to like learn, like you don't want me to do anything. Um, so like, I think I was, I was a bit frustrated at that point. Um, but now the next piece of crazy hashkacha comes in. Um, at that that Shabbos table, I'd spoken to, um, I think my cousin's brother-in-law, um, and he told me that his brother was at this new base medrash program, 
uh, that had opened up right next to the brand new house that we'd move into. So it was literally like a five minute walk. Um, so I was like, you know what? I can do this. I like, I'm really in it. I understand the whole, like all the concepts going on in the Gemara and all the back and forth of the Shabbos. Like I, I, I really understood it. Um, so I was like, I'm not going to get it in. I, I'm not going to give up on this. I like, I arranged with my Rebbe that he was going to zoom me in, whatever. And I was like, hopefully it'll be for like a week or whatever. And then we can get back in. Um, so turns out, I think it was like a month before we went back in. Uh, but what I ended up doing was every single day, I decided to go to this base medrash. And like the people in the base medrash were all older guys who'd come back from yeshiva. I'm going to give a massive shout out there. Um, Brampton base med- medrash, uh, BBM um, on Brampton Road in Gold Screen in Hendon. I can't speak right now, but whatever. Um, that like it changed my life because I see all these guys, they come back and they knew who they were. They were like, I remember some of them from high school and they weren't like necessarily the most on the dare of kids. Um, and like now here they were, they were all pretty much all wearing black and white. But like they were all chillers. They were all like you could talk to them like they were normal people, and they like they sort of knew the derech that they they wanted. They they knew that I'm a Jew, Hashem like I'm a part of the world and of Hashem's world. Like this is this is my life, and and this is the path that I follow, and this is how I grow towards it. And like I'm looking at all these guys, I'm like I'm literally I'm looking up to them, or I'm like, wow, these are the type of people I want. Uh, like this is the type of person I want to be. So at the time, I think I just started wearing like a button-down shirt, like fully. Like I was like, I remember I was wearing like my black, um, my black jeans at the time, um, and obviously white Air Forces, um, and like I had a nice white. Uh, no, sorry, a nice like couple coloured button-down Charles Taylor shirts, um, and I was like, you know what? I think I think I'm gonna go black and white. Not it's more not because I wasn't like. I was at that stage in my life where I was like, this is, um, like, I'm ready to do this. It was more that this is the person who I want to aspire to be. And it's once again goes back to that concept of giving yourself the confidence. So I started, I remember <laughs> I remember walking down the stairs of my new house, which I'd barely been into, and, like, I put on my my white shirt, and, like, I was looking around, like, terrified, like, what everyone's going to say, what everyone's going to laugh. I don't think anyone really batted an eyelid. Um, but to me, that was, like, the big deal. So I was like, wow, okay. I'm kind of I'm black and white now, um, and so that was that was like a defining point in my life because I was that I now taking that big step that was the big direction that was the big statement that I was giving, um, and it all happened because I was stuck in London, which I thought was like the worst thing in the world, um, and so Baruch Hashem there was like literally a two days window that we could get back into Israel and like crazy hashgacha within that that I got back into Israel. Um, and then I went off um, back into Israel and I remember obviously you get the comments whoa you're black and white now you're black and white now um, and like you just you walk in you walk in with like a little bit of a swagger because you're just like yeah you know what I'm black and white now I'm, I'm confident I know I know sort of this path that I'm going down but what I didn't realise was at Baruch Hashem January was when I came back in and I came back like two days after all the guys who leave halfway through the year of Shana Bet they leave so a lot of my very close friends had left before I'd um, got a chance to say goodbye to them so I, I felt like I'd come back to a whole new yeshiva um, which is definitely like a very lonely feeling um, and so I was I was definitely not in like a healthy mindset um, I really like I, I was in a stage where like I was like still grappling with the fact that like everything's happening for its reason like when you're in yeshiva and you're in that bubble it's very hard to see from day to day 
um, how things are changing and it's very hard to see past that bubble. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't in like a very healthy mindset because like it's very it's very lonely when you when you don't get a chance to say goodbye to people um, and like you don't really you walk back into like an, almost a different place and like you don't really know necessarily who you are. You you're expecting all the answers to be laid out to you and like it's not necessarily there. Um, so I went down like a, a negative path in my life um, and I realized you know what? it's time like time to see someone to like speak about things because that's I feel like I'm not in a healthy mindset and if I continue down this path I will continue getting progressively worse in like in myself and like I don't really understand who I was at that point I was like very much battling that road and, like I was like now I believe God is a key part of my life um, like that's terrifying because that means every every action that I do now has to be for the sake of Hashem. Like, which is terrifying because it means you're constantly. There's never an off switch within Judaism. Like every the way you tie your shoelace, the way you sleep, the way you act, the, every word that comes out of your mouth has to be filtered. The way you're, what you see, going to the beach. That it's like I haven't been to the beach now in a year and a half. I think like that. These are all huge sacrifices that you have to give up. And like when you're growing up in a world that that's not something that you you do that you you obviously go to these places and you speak that way and you watch these movies like to give them up for the sake of something that you can't see is just it's almost unfathomable it just it doesn't really comprehend so much um and like especially when you're in that stage where you're trying to fight these things alone um and you don't really know the path that you're going down it's it's definitely not a healthy healthy thing um but I think so. I started. I went to see one guy. Um, I, actually, I it was in not Meshorim, but it was in maybe it was like it was a bit further out. I can't remember necessarily where it was. It was in your shrine somewhere. Um, I remember like the second time, like the first time I went, I, I wasn't such a fan of him. Second time I went, um, I was like slightly getting more comfortable. But on the bus, on on the bus there, I didn't realize I'd left my AirPods. Unfortunately, so I had one AirPod in my ear. And then my actual AirPod case with the other AirPod I'd left on the on the uh, um, on the table, and I was like devastated, <laughs> like to lose because that's that's like the one piece of connection you still have. Like you, you become so reliant on the, all this technology that it just it's it's so hard to live without it. And also, if you're in Israel, very it's not easy just to buy a new pair. It's not easy to just get a new thing, and like and to know that you can't listen to music on a on the long bus journey back. Oh, it's terrible, you know. Um, these are the lovely third world issues we have um, and so I think that tarnished my whole view of this guy that I was seeing I was like because um, in my head it was just a very negative thing um, and so I ended up telling my mum all these things that like whatever and she she found someone um, who I still see to this day um, and who's genuinely changed my life because when you're going to speak to someone about all these issues you, when you're actually talking things out you get to know yourself you get to you get to break down all these things that you don't even realize are haunting you. Things that happened when you were seven, that things that happened when you were eleven, when you were fourteen, when you were sixteen. All these crucial parts in your life that you never realize, you never worked through them. Like you never broke them down, and they're still haunt. All your actions, the way every you are made up of your experiences. That is what life is. Life is just a mix of built up experiences. That's how. That's who our character traits are evolved from. Like, if you're screamed at as a kid. You're going to be much more of a shy kid. You all these. This, I can't think of like other good examples, but like every every action that you that has happened to you, they shape the person who you're going to be. And if you don't work through them, 
often those no- negative things will end up coming out from them. Um, so I was wor- I'm like working through all these old things. I'm like, I- I'm speaking to this guy. I'm like, sometimes, why are you going into this? It's like such an irrelevant part of my life. And then by the end of the se- session, I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> I, was, I-, I didn't realize how much of an effect that had on me. Like I didn't realize all these parts of my personality that had been withdrawn because of this. And like, the more I studied myself, the more I, like, I realized, whoa, this, like, I'm, I'm starting to understand who I want to be in life, what the choices I'm going to make and the family I'm going to raise. And I felt like healthy enough to do it. I became like much more of like an outspoken person. I could speak to people. I wasn't like held back by all these past events that happened. And like, you just, you have this clarity. And like, I'm looking back now and like, that the craziest hashkocha of like how every single piece was happened that I came back when I did that I, I had the opportunity to be in London and see the people who I want to be and then get sent back and to have that down place we, we always say like life's like the uh, the heart rate monitor it's like always ups and downs ups and downs like it's not healthy if it's straight you've got to have those downs to get those ups because those ups are basically a what's the word for it but they're they're like a uh, an effect or it's like cause and effect, whatever it is. <laughs> See, this is I told you, no one wants to listen to this episode because I can't speak. Um, but you gotta understand that with those downs, those downs have the the opportunities to have those ups. And when you see at the at the point in time when I had those downs, when I where I was doubting who I was and and this the person that I wanted to be, like I just like if I I wish I'd had that clarity. Like I'm also thankful that I didn't have that clarity because it it made those downs so bad that I could have such highs. Um, but if I'd had that clarity that this is happening for a reason, that everything that I'm going through right now is for the sake of making me a better person, Hashem is literally like planning every single aspect of my life um, and making me who I am today, um, I just would have had such a healthier mindset and, and like be much more comfortable and okay in that situation. Um, and like throughout all this time, you gotta understand that it's not just I'm sitting down and things are happening and Hashem's doing things to me. Through we have we have the opportunity to literally speak to God. Like it's the crazy if you think about it like this, like I I'm I, I come from London, yeah. How often do I get to speak to the Queen of England? Never. Like there's often times that I tell guys in Yeshiva, oh yeah, we had we had tea with the Queen. Everyone has that time when they had tea with the Queen and they speak to her and they they catch up. How how's Philip? How's all these things doing? Okay, God rest his soul. But how how all these like you do, you never do that. You just you never do that. But yeah, the Melech like the King of all Kings, Hashem, Borei Alam, like one thing I'm not alright say, but like you've got the King of Kings right here, and you get to speak to him. Three times a day, like uh, as a ma- that's another bracha that I'm I'm thankful for that like I had, I had the ability to be able to daven to him three times a day. I can read Hebrew like I'm. It's actually one of the things that like I was terrible at. I thought I was dyslexic in Hebrew, and like over time I like started to be able. I started doing like tell him every day so I could start reading more fluently. But like, I'm so thankful now that I I get to speak to God every single day, and I get to actually like talk one-on-one to him I every when you're doing something wrong you, you know the guilty feeling you have but you do you, every time you're saying I, I sinned willfully I, I erred I did all these things and you, you know that Hashem just wants the best for you so you know that he's he's going to help you do better even if the thing was the worst thing in the world you know 
is going to help you do better. And you say, Shmarkalani, you can ask literally for anything you want there. You you know, he's he, you're asking to listen to our voice. Let, let us be heard. Let us be able to speak to you. And and you know he's going to answer. You got you go into tefillah knowing that you're having a conversation back and forth, and you're, you're you you can literally ask for anything possible. The craziest, literally the craziest story that like we're almost going to end off. And I'm so sorry this has gone on for so long, but the craziest story. I uh, I have so many of these stories, but this is this is probably one of the craziest stories. Um, I it was a week ago, n- not even probably like the beginning of this week. Um, or last, wherever it was, I, I was in, I ended up waking up late for Shafaris, so I ended up going to late to Shafaris, and like, I'm in my davening, I'm like, Hashem, I just, like, I, I'm personally, like, I I I'm, I love Christmas, like, I'm saying now, like, I love Christmas, Christmas is a great time of year, tis the season, and I, like, this year I went out to see the Christmas lights and all the things, and like, I, I got so much joy from it, and like, I came back and sat down, like, one of these days, and I was like, that goes against all my principal values. Like, that's not who I want to be. I don't. I don't think that's a healthy thing to be doing. Especially like when we think all the things linked to it, and just wherever it is, like it's it's so contradictory for me to get such joy from seeing like the big tris- Christmas tree in um, Rockefeller Center. Like, I I literally have never been more excited to see something in my life. Like, I was genuinely, I was like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, and like if that's so contradictory to who I am and who I want to be, and like I was just I was very like taken aback by it. I was like, oh, like for me, I personally don't think that being outside of Israel is a healthy thing for me because there's so much Western ideology that I personally think isn't healthy for me. And I do not think it's healthy for many people, but it's a different conversation for a different topic. But I was like. I remember I was like thinking about it and I was doubting it. I was, I think, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I was saying like, Hashem, I just find, help me find a way to get back to Israel. Like, I just, this is, this is my, my goal is to get my degree here and then go back to Israel. But like, I need a way to get back to Israel and just feel connected to you again. And just, this, this isn't the right place for me. Literally, that was, that was my doubting. That was my tefillah. I, I happened to be in this place that's like a 10 minute drive away from um, the place I am currently. And so I asked one of the guys around there, like, um, it, does anyone know if anyone's driving to this place um, or driving near this place? And some guy comes up to me and he's like, where are you from? What's your name? So I tell him my name. Turns out he's one of the rabbis from my brother's yeshiva who's setting up his own yeshiva in Israel, or who set up his own yeshiva in Israel, um, where they're basically, they're full post-yeshiva guys and they basically do Torah college, which is the college that I'm in currently. They do Torah college online and like in person there and like yeshiva in the morning plus it's in Israel and I was like I was like what? <laughs> that's the crazy I was literally I was dubbing that second I was I, like it just it couldn't be more perfect and then Hashem literally sends it like right in front of me and this this sounds like one of those stories where just like okay that's like a religious thing that's that kind of thing but like you understand in every aspect of your life you have the opportunity to say like Hashem help me and you cry at the time you say like Hashem I need help or just like I want to I want to feel connected I want to do something please just help me answer me like let me let me know you're here and, and he will answer he will genuinely I like I can almost guarantee you will get your answer it could be it could be in three years from now it could be in five years from now it could be you look back in retrospect and you're like whoa I didn't even realize that thing was answered 
but it will be answered and it's it's just a matter of when and what's right for you and you gotta understand that tefillah is the most impa- important and powerful thing because you're having a conversation with him but more than that comes like in moedim you're, you're saying you gotta imagine this imagine someone gives you a million dollars he gives you everything in the world and you just take it and you use it and you keep asking him for more please can I have more please can I have I want a Ferrari I want a Lamborghini I want an ice cream I want a pizza I want this I want this I want this I want this you keep nagging him and nagging him and he keeps loving you he just keeps he keeps giving to you he keeps giving to you and like he's doing he wants the best for you you're not going to say thank you to him like it's not even just a us to Hashem it's you, to everyone you're meeting the gratitude that you have to have like you gotta understand he's giving you everything you gotta give back to him. You gotta say thank you. You gotta show your appreciation when you when you're doubling mode him. Smile. Say thank you so thank you so much for everything you've given me. Feel with your fingers. You can you can feel. I, I'm I'm speaking to the cloud here. I'm I hope hopefully everyone I'm speaking to has some feeling or some hearing or some sense of sight. All of these things. These are, we take it for granted. I I can I'm currently looking at my camera um right now. You currently are looking either at your phone or listening in your ears. And you can you can hear me. You can smell. You can smell the birds outside. You can feel the freezing cold of New York City in the snow. All of these things, they're not. It's not granted that we have them. Hashem was kind enough that He allowed us to have them. You look. You go to Camp Has. You go to Camp Simcha. All of these things. You you see. We you don't. Not everyone gets that opportunity. Not everyone has the ability to do everything perfectly like we do. And it puts things in perspective. You 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 want to say thank you for all you've given me. Yes. There's certain things that currently I can't see. But thank you. Thank you for all the challenges that you put me through. Obviously, we don't ever ask for challenges. But thank you for all the opportunities you've given me. Thank you for this new job I've got. Thank you for this money, this opportunity of money that I've got. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. It just, you understand that it's not really a one-way street. And yes, Hashem will still will still keep giving you, even if you're not thanking Him. And and He will still keep reaching out a hand to you. Theoretically, like, metaphorically like all of these things he will still do because he loves you we are his children uh, like every single one of us the guy out in the street the guys in here everyone is uh, like uh, like we're all we're all Hashem's children we all have the opportunity to grow and grow close to him but it's now like our opportunity to say am I going to take that am I going to actually give back to him am I going to use these opportunities to help others and or am I going to use it for my own selfish purpose? Am I going to use the money that I just earned and just splurge it on a brand new suit and a pair of Lululemon trousers? Um, or am I going to give that 10% to Stocker? Well, not only give that 10% to Stocker, but well, technically the 10% that we're giving to Stocker isn't really ours. Uh, you can listen to Rafaki on him, but on it. But like, if you're once you're giving that 10%, you give that 20% because the 10%, whatever it is, it's not really ours. We have another discussion. That twenty percent saying that, you know, what? this is I'm thankful that you gave it to me, and this is my this is my way of of giving extra. I want to I want to be actually filling this mitzvah. I want to be able to give to you. And we do say that that's the one thing that you can challenge Hashem with. That you can challenge Him with Sloka because Hashem's always going to give back to you. Um, but you actually want to push yourself. You want to you want to make it kind of hard to do a mitzvah. You want everything shouldn't be like an easy thing to do um, because otherwise. That you're not working towards it. If it was just easy to learn, everyone would have finished us by now. Everyone would have been keeping everything. We got here. We got that free will to when we're in a challenge to choose the right path to go down. So 
yeah, this is these are all the different things that you gotta you gotta see in your life. You gotta you gotta the small things. The small things is definitely I think what is it? It's not a big man. Small actions make a big man, and and big actions make a small man. So I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm butchering all of these things. You go once again. I'm trying to emphasize. I'm an Amharite, but when it comes down to it, like we all are Amharites in in certain things, and it's up to us to strive to do better. And then we we gotta we gotta always be looking to better ourselves and be the best person we are. Um, and I'm personally just thankful that Hashem gave me all the opportunities He did. Um, and allowed me to be able to see because it's not such a posh thing it's not such an easy thing just to to see all the brochures that you gave me and I'm so thankful that like I can see even some of the ones that he's given me like today I was extremely unwell like seriously I, I was being like I thought I was being stabbed from my inside and fire was burning out my insides I was throwing up in, a, in like a random pizza shop in Borough Park and with people knocking on the door and I was like, go away. But like, I'm just, I came out of that and like, I'm healthy, I'm well. And like, I, I literally, I thought at that point in time, like that was, I thought I was going to like faint on the toilet and just like collapse and die. Um, obviously, I'm not being a drama queen. Um, but I'm thankful that I'm, I'm able to sit here and talk to you and have this platform and be able to have the amount of people that I have listening. Like, it's just all such a bracha. And like, every, every aspect in your life is a bracha. And if you see it, you appreciate it. If you don't see it, you appreciate yourself. If you if you see yourself in in everything that you're doing, then that's not the right way to ever be able to be a good... I, I feel this is a horrible thing to say, but you, you aren't going to be a good person if you say, I got the promotion because I'm a good... because I'm such a good at what... I'm so good at what I do. I'm, I got... I, got, I earned all this money because I'm so clever. I earned this money. I earned... This apartment, wherever it is, I'm, I'm liking all on all the good examples. But if you bring, if you keep saying I, 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 you're not going to be a happy person because you just it, your life becomes self-centered. It becomes all about yourself, and you can't give to anyone else. If you realize that everything's given to you, you're you're just a byproduct of Hashem's plan, and and you have the opportunity to help people. Your life becomes more. Your life has meaning. Like Victor Frankl's whole man's search for meaning. Like if you understand. We need a purpose. To function as human beings, we need a purpose. So if your purpose is singularly yourself, you're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be well. You're going to be unhappy. You're not be able to give to people. You're not going to be able to give to your family and be a good person and be a happy person. Um, and so by taking that step back, seeing the big picture, seeing that we that we do have this purpose here, Bezrat Hashem, it will be... It'll be the key to uh, to making us happier, and uh, yeah, I uh, I apologize for however long this was. Um, my assumption is either the forty minutes to an hour to three hours. I don't know. I got I can't see the time right now. But uh, if you listened all the way through, um, um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but I hope I hope I was able to pass on some sort of message um, and and not waste your time. Um, I really I. I, I honestly I enjoyed this. Um, uh, this is this is something that was therapeutic for me even um, because just it needed I needed that confidence again to know that I I know I know who I'm going to be I know the purpose that I have in life because um, it's it's very easy to to doubt yourself and and forget that purpose that you have. Um, 
but yeah you know what we're gonna we're gonna end off on a quick fun story just because um i don't know it's funny and whoever i i doubt there's many people still listening at this point but if you did you get a a, a fun story um so it was in his post i came back i came back i went to yu after Bet post Basach, um and so i ended up coming home um once that was finished and one thing I'd been toying with, I, just, I was wearing black and white, but one thing I'd been toying with was the jacket. So I, I think I finally said to myself, and I, I, I went back to BPM and I saw everyone was wearing jackets. So I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get myself a jacket. Um, I promise this story is, is it's, uh, it's probably, possibly one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, but it's a, uh, it's still nevertheless an entertaining story. Um, so, uh, hopefully it's not Lashonara. Uh, if it is, maybe we'll, we'll work around a way to uh, hopefully say it without Lashonara. Um, so, I, I get my jacket, I, I put it on, I'm feeling like, okay, this is kind of weird, but like, uh, I feel this is this is my next stage, like I'm feeling confident in myself, I, I come into the next day, once again with a little swagger, you know, <laughs> look at me, I got my jacket on, you know. Uh, I, I do it up, I'm like, blah, 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 two, three days of this, I'm like, very in it, and at, at that point in time, I was like, I came back from, from YU, I was like, a good mindset, I was uh, having to be new, I was switching to Landers, I was like, look at me, I'm stuck, you know, yeah, I, I know what I'm going to do, you know, so I was, I was like, listening to my Shirim, uh, I was very, like, focused, and then happened to be, my grandparents came home, came um, from Israel to London that week, um, and just as they were going back, my, my dad asked me to go to his shop to pick up something for them. So I drive to his shop and pick up something. And as I'm getting back into the car, and I, I had my jacket on at this time, it was, it was about 10.30 at night. As I'm getting back into my car, this this old man, this, like Hasidish looking man, um, comes up to me and starts speaking to me in Hebrew. He's like, he was speaking Hebrew. My Hebrew is not good enough to retell the story properly but he was basically like trying to come um convey to me that he wanted he wanted me to take somewhere he was opening his book pointing out an address um i used google translate i was going back and forth but i worked out that he wanted me to take him to a certain address so like fine um i'm happy to do it i'm heading in that direction anyways it happens to be right next to me i'm like listen he, he saw me wearing my jacket he knew i was like a stark yet so why would he not want to uh to ask me, this is this is what happens. Hashem gives you all these things. I'm like thinking in my head right now, this guy, he's like, he's probably like one of these serious rabbim and like, whatever, it's a big zuchus that like, he see me like I'm a shark kid, so he's gonna give me, um, so whatever it was, like this is like one of the, um, one of the good things about wearing your jacket or whatever. So that, was, that was the thought process, so fine. Uh, but he said, he basically said to me, he's like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase it, but he was like saying, I'm gonna pick up a drink, then come back, then go to, I'm going to go to, um, and so he's like, going to pick up a drink, come back. So he came back, gave me the drink, and he was like, I need to, uh, whatever, uh, can't speak Hebrew, whatever. So he went, I was like, fine. So he he starts hobbling along to, um, to Dava Marov. Mind you, this is like 10.30 at this point. Uh, I look at my watch, and he said like 10 minutes to me, I look at my watch, it's 11 o'clock now. I'm like, okay, it's slightly worrying. Uh, it's 11.15 now, okay, where is this guy? 11.30 now, oh, okay, finally 11.45, the guy comes back, I'm like, oh, 
finally. And I couldn't leave because he'd already, he'd left like stuff in my car. And like, whatever, I was listening to my share. I was like, listen, I'm stuck, you know, I, I can I can do this. I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, so I was, I was very happy with myself. I was like, look at me doing big mix, but you know, wow. Thank you, Hashem. I, I was like, thank you, Hashem, for giving me this opportunity. Every time I look at my clock, I was like, thank you, Hashem, you gave me this opportunity. I was, I was very, very proud of myself. Um, so um, finally he comes back and he's like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I actually, can you take me back to uh, the to Rebchunas, wherever it was, this, this place in the oven? Because um, he wanted to get a coffee. So I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> fine. I'm happy to do it. It's an extra, it's an extra thing that I need to do. It's Baruch Hashem making the mitzvah all, all the more so, you know? So I drove him to this place. 12 o'clock comes around and he finally comes out again. I'm like, okay, this is, this is a bit ridiculous. It's like 12 p.m. at night. I left, I left my house at 10 p.m. And like, um, I went to get a gift for my grandparents. So like, I was like, oh, surely I was in a mitzvah, but I don't know whatever it was. Okay, I should have known at that point, but whatever. So I was, I was in there in the car and he starts like talking to me. He was like, oh, we had Sadiq Shalim, my, my daughter could be for you. I was like, wow, look at this. I'm wearing shit at this. This is like Hashkacha Protis, you know? This is like the perfect thing ever. Um, and like, I was like, I always happen to be thinking that like this guy is kind of like, old and doesn't speak English so like his daughter's definitely not Shaykh out of the question I was like this is still like this is the big Shkach protest um, so so I'm driving him back um, I'm driving back I'm, I'm like com- conversing slightly in Hebrew with him because my Hebrew was still better at that point um, and yeah so he um, he he gave me this address that I put into the thing he had no phone at that point um, and so I get to I get to this address and it's this big apartment block and he has like wherever it was I think it was like number 55 yeah I'm pretty sure it was 55 because the number stuck out of my head um, so it was like 55 and so like I look around and like I can't find it anywhere so I run around to the back of the apartment and I find it was there so I was like okay fine so I'll drive you around to the back of the apartment so I, I drive in there um, and I ring the bell um, to this place and no one answers and so he comes out and like we're just like ringing the bell again still no one answers so I'm, I'm very confused and it's also it's like 12 15 at night now so i'm like i'm kind of ready to go home i thought i like i'd done the best thing like i was gonna drop him off and then drive home and but like, still no one's answers so then i ring number 54 the people below them i ring and like after two three rings someone answers i'm like hi yeah i've got this this guy here um who's living in 55 um is it all right if you open up because no one's answering they were like, impossible, no one lives there. I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I, I, like, I checked the guy's book again, it said 55, I was like, no, 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 someone, for sure he's like, no, no, no one lives there, go away. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is, this is seriously weird right now. Um, so he then, uh, we then like, um, I call out my dad at this point, because like my Hebrew is so bad that I, I couldn't explain to him that the guy, that people weren't there. So I call out my dad, I'm like, someone I'm, I'm really random story i'm in a car with someone and they only speak hebrew and i'm trying to drop them off in a place um can you but no one's there can you tell him is there another number that we can call um so my dad's like what the heck are you doing but sure okay fine so he puts i put him on the phone with him he explains it then he goes through his his book opens up the paper and and he shows me shows like this number in, in my in my thing and he shows me like a um a uh, a, a card like it looked like an Asian massage card or something like that. So he points to that number and points to another thing. It was the same number thing. So I was like, 
okay, fine. Um, oh no, 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 sorry. It was it was two different numbers. He was like he points to this one and then he pointed to the what's called. So I, I called up the that number first. So I called up the number there, and so I called him up. I was like, and like all the way he keeps saying to me, "The locket, the locket, um, the ha 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 He was like trying to explain to me that like his his wife was ill and he told me that he I'm missing key parts of the story, but he told me that um he had brain surgery and like. There's a lot of things, and he was limping as well. So like, I couldn't really understand exactly what he was saying. But like, he was like, "It's a low it's a low uh, Like, it's not correct. Uh, but I didn't at the point in time. I wasn't really registering what he was saying. So like, I call up these people. I'm like, um, so I think I have like someone here for you downstairs. We're outside number fifty-five. Um, is it all right if you open up? Are you guys here? And they're like, yeah, sure. Send him up. Send him up. And um, don't worry, we've been expecting him. I'm like. Okay, great, wonderful. Um, and so I'm like, just by the way, um, can I just ask who is this? They're like, what do you mean, darling? You you called us. You know who it is. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, send your friend up. And like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm at. And and then I look at his thing and it said on it, Badzona, which for those who don't speak Hebrew. It's the house of a prostitute. And it hit, and he kept, now I understand why he's saying Zalok Koret, and his, his wife was not ill. I'm like, oh my goodness. And like, I, 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 was, I, was, I was like, I'm doing the biggest mitzvah ever. I'm taking this guy uh, like home. I'm giving him the opportunity. He doesn't speak a word of English. He doesn't have a place to get there. I'm doing this great god of rabbi. All because I'm wearing my jacket. I'm wearing my jacket. And... And he's taking me to a badzona, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness! And I've taken this place, this guy, biggest of airports. Like, I, I, you want me? To, like, I just I couldn't fathom it. And like, I'm I'm really creeped out. I'm like, I just I'm shaking. I I just don't know what to do. And like, so I like hang up the phone, and like, I I get out of the car, call my dad. I was like, uh. Well, I, I, I don't know. I'm Badzona, I, 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 the guy here. And my dad's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. Just uh, I'm at this random place and the guy's taking me to this place. I was like, so he's like, okay, we don't deal with these people. Tell him, like, just leave him there and drive off. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't know what to do. So I tried to explain to him that someone was coming out. And like, I really like know what to do. Because like, I did, now, now I knew who this guy was. I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. And like, Somehow I, I convinced him that they were coming down. I literally, I got in my car and just sped off and just like drove away. And I, I just, I can see in the background the guy like waving like that to me. I'm like, what just happened? Um, and turns out that I, uh, well, because of my nice jacket, I'd taken this guy to this place and it scarred me for a while. I, I called, I just called Shomrim, the, the people we have, um, in in London, just like the the Jewish police or whatever, and I told them about all their place. This guy there, and just to check on him because I felt bad because it was like one o'clock at that point almost, and like he was sitting outside, um, and like I told them about this this place. Um, I was like, please, can you just sort it out? And so after that, I was just like, I was like really scarred from wearing my jacket. Um, 
and still still to this day i don't know the moral of the story i really i don't know the moral of the story if someone knows the moral of the story please let me know because uh, it's still one of the many mysteries that i haven't quite worked out um and it took me a long time to like feel comfortable really like that, that was a big identity crisis thing again because i was like i put on this jacket just to be used for such an avera like to be manipulated that's like i was manipulating myself but like it was just it's a very scary thing um and so that that was that was one story that like messed me up and still to this day i haven't i haven't found the uh, moral of the story but yeah you stuck around this long you got a fun story um so thank you for listening i apologize for however long this was i hope you enjoyed this um i certainly did not uh but this was I, this was enjoyable it was enjoyable um i had a good time um so if you stuck around for this long please 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 check out my previous episode with shannon it's just truly incredible check out all the other episodes we had some really great if you actually go back and listen to um the flipping out in yeshiva like giving context to flipping out that i feel like this is going to be like part four of that basically um but yeah this was this was interesting <laughs> so thank you for listening um Have a wonderful night.